Welcome to episode 216 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we review week one and preview week two of the NRL finals. And we discuss Brisbane hosting the NRL grand final for the first time ever. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 216 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, week one of the NRL finals. What an epic few games that we saw. Are you? Uh, did it live up to the hype? Well, Dr. T, I think it did. It was uh, It was a great... First four, that was yeah. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I got to say, probably three of the four games were spectacular. I I I can't think about which one I enjoyed watching the most because they all had something um, exciting about it. Apart from the first game, of course, because it was kind of a bit of a uh, no. I wouldn't say a letdown. It was just sort of one sided. But yeah, look, I'm trying to remember if I uh, if if week one of the finals last last year was exci- as exciting as this one. I'll probably say no, only because I remember uh, some lopsided victories in the first week of the finals last year, where I think this one was really close. I mean, you've got to say that three of the four games um, with five minutes to go there, it was still open. Like we still knew who could win. And I think some of the, um, like, you know, and like, you know, they were talking about the, you know, good quality game is like the number of, um, you know, like how good the percentages are up, how many like sort of unforced errors there are and, and not. And there was, you know, there was, um, yeah, 80% completions, but yet, you know, really good ball movement in some of these games. So, yeah, I, I had a great time and, and hopefully the final series continues in this vein. So how about yourself there, Dr. C? Oh, look, it's, uh, I think you're right. I think when you look, when all is said and done, three of the four finals games were in the balance until, you know, in many cases, the last, absolute last play, mm. um, which uh, we're going to talk about very shortly. The last pass in one of them, actually. Pass or to pass or not to pass. <laughs> that is the Shakespearean question. But let's focus on that later because uh, there's a lot to unpack there. But look, let's get into it. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got uh, an interesting piece of news, actually, that we, we're going to share with you. So let's get into it. Our six tackles. And here is tackle number one, the news update. All right. The news update. So we've only got one big news update because we're going to focus on the finals and a few other things later. But Tish, uh, we've heard, we've been following, look, a lot of players, a lot of Aussie ex-rugby league players uh, or Aussies in general that make it in the NFL, uh, that try out for the NFL. Obviously, uh, Valentine Holmes, one of the latest sort of uh, of the NRL stars that, that mm. tried to make it over there and, and returned home. Uh, but 
This time, we've got a really good news story about a former South Sydney Rabbitoh. Do you want to tell us what that is? Well, absolutely. Well, look, former South Sydney Rabbitoh, Jordan, big money Malata, uh, impresses the uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles as he also signs a huge contract extension. So the Australian NFL star who was previously, I, I believe he was a reserve grade. I don't know if he actually played first grade, but he was definitely in the South uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs system. Uh, but Jordan Malata, you know, he had a strong showing in his first start, um, you know, since inking in his lucrative $80 million, and that's US, by the way, contract, where $40.85 million of that is guaranteed. Um and that's a contract extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, um, yeah, he's actually the starting left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, which is a huge achievement because I don't think any Australian has been a starting player ever in the NFL that I could recall that's not on the special teams. Um, so he's part of the offensive mm-hmm. line in yep. the, the left uh, yeah, the left tackle. Which so, is- Tish, Tish, I was going to say, left tackle, does that mean – He's only allowed to tackle with his left arm. Is that what that means? <laughs> well, no, what, what it means is that he actually uh, protects the quarterback on the left side of the quarterback. So, um, which is obviously, so, the, the, you know, if the quarterback is right-handed, um, it's usually the blind spot. So, I, I think the movie The Blind Side is actually all about that position. Um, it is like uh, one of the top five most highest-paid positions in the NFL, I think, in every team. So, yeah, um, it's, it's wow. a really important position. And the fact that he's actually, um, you know, playing for that, for the, for the Eagles, um, the Eagles are a team that won, um, I think they would have won within the last 10 years, right? They, or at least made it to the Super Bowl um, not that long ago. Um, but, yeah, but he's, he's, he's actually fought hard to become the left tackle. From what I know, um, he is actually, uh, so, you know, He's been training. He's been trying to get used to the game. He kind of knew he didn't know anything when he first went over there. He's sort of been working hard. And, um, you know, in the offseason, he was actually competing against another player uh, for the starting position. That other player uh, was actually uh, a first-round pick for the Eagles in the NF, in the uh, draft a few years ago. So he was actually out, able to out-practice or out-train his competitor uh, to actually go in and actually be be the starting left tackle for the Eagles for for this season, and he gets a contract extension. So, yeah, I would say that this is the success story. Um, not sure if you could say the same thing for the Valentine Thomas and the Jared Hayden experiments, but it looks like we finally have a a league player that's been able to transition uh, into into the uh, NFL. And look, you did mention about the Eagles. The Eagles have won very recently in 2017 or uh, the Super it's Super Bowl LII, which those of you who are Roman, uh, you know, <laughs> Roman numerals aficionados mm. is uh, Super Bowl 52. Wow. And that in was Hindu where Arabic, the, in the Hindu Arabic, I should say. Is the, the, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and, and look, the Eagles in that Super Bowl, defeated the defending champions, the New England Patriots, 41 to 33. And that was, uh, so the, that was for the 2017 season, but it actually, if you know the way they played over there, the season traverses the new year's, uh, new year's Eve. And so it ends or news day. So it was actually played on February 4th, 
2018. So it's been a few years, but only mm. a few since they've won uh, the championship. So expectations would be very high with Jordan Molata. Um, as you said, a very important position uh, in the starting lineup, a really big deal, former South Sydney Rabbitoh. Um, hopefully, Russell Crowe will send him a bucket load of South Sydney Rabbitoh caps so that uh, if anyone asks where he came from, he can say, I'm a Rabbitoh from from the beginning, mate. So there you go. Yeah. And people say, what's a Rabbitoh? And then he has to explain it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, well, look, I'm just uh, uh, looking at the game. So uh, I think their quarterback's name is Jalen Hurts. And he threw three touchdown passes in their, you know, this is week one. So 32 to 6, they won. So, you know, without the protection on the left side, um, maybe those passes wouldn't have come down. You know, that's that's, that's the reality of the position that Jordan's playing. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is, it is like there are similarities to rugby league, but it is quite different too. So, yeah, so I think I look well done to Jordan. And obviously, you know, let's see how this season goes. You know, he's going to join. Like, you know, Philadelphia's become uh, mini Australia. So maybe maybe we should start to actually think about having a rugby league team down there, maybe uh, in the, um, you know, English Super League, have a Philadelphia team. Well, I reckon Manly could just go over there and just call themselves the Philadelphia Sea Eagles. And then wow. Be done with it. What, what position reckon? can Tommy Turbo play in the NFL? He can play any position because he's just a legend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of uh, Manly, we should get going and talk about yep. the game. So let's let's, uh, let's move on to tackle number two, where we're going to review all the games in NRL Final Series Week 1. So here we go with the wrap. All right. As we mentioned earlier, the four games that were played, two of them were elimination Games and two of them were qualifiers for the grand final qualifiers in week three of the finals. And the first game uh, was the Friday night game between Melbourne Storm and Manly Warringah Seagulls, which ended up being, as expected, a blowout. Uh, the experienced clinical Storm, way too good for Manly, 40 points to 12. Tommy Turbo couldn't do anything mm-hmm. uh, in this game. Uh, Look, there's not much to say. I think uh, they just got better and better during the game, the Storm, and really didn't give Manly much of a chance. And I was kind of disappointed in Manly because they sort of showed a few weeks ago that they were able to match it with the Storm uh, up until, you know, the final, but uh, the final whistle pretty much. But that wasn't to be this time around. They were blown off the park. So I think uh, I think this there is ominous signs for the rest of the teams. Because Melbourne are here and they're here to play and uh, they are not not letting uh, what happened to them in the final week, uh, final or the second final week, penult- two, the two final games uh, get to them at all. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on the Storm flogging the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles? Yeah, look, I think it was, uh, it was a surprise res- result. I thought Manly would have handled themselves much, much better than what they actually did. So it was very disappointing to see, um, you know, very bad, like, you know, a not-so-good performance out of it. And, you know, obviously the game wasn't that great. Um, but look, Melbourne, they look like specials, right? They look very, very sharp. They look, um, you know, like they're in control. Um, they sort of, uh, you know, that they, they didn't get flustered or any any, any sort of issues like that. Um, and then, yeah, and then they were just uh, able to dominate throughout the whole game. Um 
you know, the first half, uh, I, I think the majority of the points were scored in the first half, right? The, you know, this, uh, I remember like, mm. you know, like the second, the ninth, um, I'm pretty sure Manly didn't actually score until the, until the second half anyway. So, you know, that they sort of had, um, had the game, you know, you know, sort of, you know, in their hands for, for pretty much the whole game. There was a great try by Jason Saab where he, um, where I think they got a seven tackle set and then um, Turbo kicked it, I think it was, and then Saab chased it all the way down. Um, and then, um, you know, Lumi Lumi had uh, had sort of dropped the ball or something like that. And I just remember that being a, a phenomenal play. But look, that was probably their only one highlight. Um, you know, um, I suppose Manly have to go back to the drawing board. They probably lacked a little of in- intensity, um, you know, to, to you know for this game. Um, but meanwhile, yeah, the Storm absolutely clinical, and I think the way to beat the Storm is you, you can't let them get off to a good start. I think that's the key, really, because um, once they get on a roll, it, they're really hard to sort of uh, to sort of get back. Um, and uh, yeah, I just remember there was a there was a big debate in the commentary of Channel 9 in this about who had the hardest head <laughs> um, for the Storm. So, like, I think they talked about, oh, Ola, my, yeah, he's got the hardest head in, oh, you know, Brandon Smith, no, sorry, he's got the hardest head. And I was thinking to myself, like, uh, they must be really stretching for ideas here, you know, about <laughs> about the game. <laughs> they must be bored. <laughs> they must be bored. So, yeah, but look, um, yeah, look, uh, Melbourne, they get a week off now. Um, obviously, the Seagulls get a second chance. Uh, but, yeah, like, um, I think, uh, I suppose next week when we, when Melbourne play again, they're going to be really hard to beat after that performance. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk uh, at the end of this. We'll talk about the uh, what what shapes up for the uh, the the uh, I guess the structure of the remainder of the final series, because the basically the games that were played, especially the um, the between the top four teams, determine which side of the draw. Um, those teams will now fall into. And from now on, we know exactly who's going to play who, uh, but we didn't know uh, until these games were completed. So now that we know, um, we, uh, you know, basically Melbourne goes through and then Manly will go to the opposite side of the draw now, which uh, we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But look, let's go into the next game. So chronologically, the next game was a Saturday afternoon game, twilight game between the Roosters and the Gold Coast Titans. And I think going into this, I think we both predicted that the Roosters would win and would win comfortably. I think a lot of people would have thought that, but it wasn't to be. It was a 25-24 point victory, uh, one point victory, and it was decided, uh, you know, at the very, very last um, moment, pretty much, Mm. um, we had... uh, yeah, so so basically, let, let me just uh, let me just take you through. So we had uh, the Roosters were, I think, were well ahead uh, for for quite some time. Well, they were. It was twelve six at halftime. I wouldn't say well ahead, but they, they it looked like they were sort of far enough ahead that the Titans weren't really threatening. Towards the end, um, th- we got uh, you know pretty much a tied game and. Uh, was it Sam Walker was brought yeah. in with about ten minutes to go or eight minutes to go, uh, and what a, an inspired interchange because he kicked the seventy seventh minute 
field goal to put them one point ahead, the Roosters, 25-24. And then what happened next can only be described as, uh, well, in, in the last minutes of play can only be described as, uh, well, what could you describe it as? Um, uh, A massive brain explosion, potentially. (laughs) A really exciting, one of the most exciting passages of play that you'll ever see. Um, Basically, just as we spoke about, you know, last week, the absolute last minute, last gasp, you know, try by Sam Cassiano in the Catalan's Dragons to put the Dragons, uh, you know, even after 80 points, even after they were down 30 to 12 with five minutes to go, um, you know, a, a fairy tale ending for the Catalan's Dragons because they then got that Maloney field goal in, in uh, extra time. This wasn't quite to be for the Titans. Um, we had the situation where basically, um, well, we had the center, Patrick Herbert, mm. uh, in literally with only seconds remaining, there was a passage of play down the right side. There was a cutout pass. Herbert with the ball uh, goes to the line. All he had to do was draw and pass yeah. to his outside winger, Corey Thompson. And instead he decided to dummy and go, go himself. And he was, uh, I believe, I don't know if he was pulled short or if he knocked the ball on or no, no, something he, happened. Yeah. So, so eventually there was players on him and he couldn't So he decided to flick the ball out. But, but by that stage, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Corey Thompson had over already overrun it. Yeah. And then, and then the ball and it went, went out, out the sideline. Yeah, and then Corey Thompson just went to Patrick Herbert and started screaming like crazy, like super angry. So I was like, I was like, is he deflecting? Like the <laughs> fact that he wasn't in position, I, I didn't know. No, and, no, he was angry at him. I think he, I think he was saying, you literally could have won us a game if you had thrown it a split second earlier. Yeah, uh, not even a split second. It was a full second. He had time to draw and pass. In fact, he did draw the defender in. He just needed to pass it, but he just waited that little bit too long, a yeah. bit of inexperience. And look, Corey Thompson had a right to blow up at him. That was yeah. an absolute brain explosion. That was that was going to be a victory to the Titans, a last-minute try. It would have been an epic, epic win, mm-hmm. an epic come-from-behind win uh, against the odds. Uh, and instead... Uh, their whole season was shattered. And so, look, poor old Patrick Herbert. I mean, I think Corey Thompson, his emotion got to him and he decided to blow up at him. But I think Patrick Herbert, if he had his time again, he obviously would think differently. I think a lot of it has to do with experience. You look, in, you look throughout the Titans squad, not much experience at all in terms of, uh, you know, the big games and uh, wanting, you know, wanting players to cool, take a cool head and uh, make those key decisions. Look at the other side. You've got Tedesco, Tupu, Josh Morris. That's just three of the of the back line, um, one, two, three. And you already got quite a lot of experience there compared to what we've got in the Titans. So, look, unfortunately, um, that wasn't to be. But, look, the Titans, uh, they certainly proved they, they could match it and they could have easily have been into week two of the finals. Uh, up against the Manly Warringah Seagulls as the losers of that first uh, game that we just spoke about. They're on the same side of the draw. 
So the winner of this was always going to play Manly, and turns out it's now going to be the Roosters. But Tish, as we say goodbye to the Titans, uh, how would you rate their their year? Would you say it's a failure, a semi-success, a success? What do you think? Okay, well, look, um, I think the first thing is where do they finish in uh, tw- 2020, which was ninth? And then they finished eighth. <laughs> so they did improve by one position, which was fantastic. They did, you know, they've got a much stronger lineup this year with, like, obviously, you know, Big Tino as well as, uh, you know, the Wrecking Ball off the, uh, you know, David Fafita as well. Um, you know, they, they are a team of a few, um, you know, uh, people with two first names, you know, Jaden Campbell, Brian Kelly, even Patrick Herbert, Corey Thompson, you could say Thompson. Is that a first name? I don't know. But oh, like, I don't uh, know about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> but but you know, so, so so it's kind of a you know, it's kind of a crazy group sometimes. And um, you know, I kind of love their play. That they kind of they're all out of attack. Um, I did think you know we sort of hit the twenty meter, you know, twenty minute mark, and I and I do th- remember thinking, well, you know, this is kind of an achievement for the Titans because a they haven't let a try in and they haven't scored a try like this is a this is a pretty calm moment for them you know that they're, they're kind of known for like leaking tries as well as you know scoring them um and then yeah and i think there was lots of drama in this game there was a few i think there were a few incidences that have have happened there might be some you know um some suspensions that are coming down the track for some of the roosters players um you know but then you sort of you, it sort of went um it sort of it was going back and forth the whole way, right? Like there was a, tr- you know, if the Roosters would score the next one, um, you know, the Titans would score. And then, you know, the Titans had really exciting players. I think Jaden Campbell's really exciting when you see him play, actually. Like, um, you know, he, he firstly, he looks like he's five, um, you know, <laughs> like really, really young looking, you know, he sort of goes does, in. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and then I've got to say the, the next piece of drama and, uh, you know, I've got to give it to... Um, to to I was going to say Anthony Robbins, but that's not their coach. Um, uh, Trent Robinson, right, <laughs> right. Well, he's playing an Anthony Robbins type role here, so it's interesting. So Sam Walker, he's he's in his debut season, right, and he's been basically on the bench, um, like sort of for 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 like the last few rounds of notice, and then he gets brought on in the last ten minutes, you know, and then when he gets brought on, everybody's saying, oh look, they're bringing in Sam Walker, you know, he's the finisher, he's the you know, he's the expert at sort of, you know, um, finishing off the game sort of thing, you know. And, um, and yeah, I, like, they've, <laughs> I think I think Trip Roberts has done fantastic because you normally don't hear of a player on their debut season being the finishing type role. Like, it's normally um, somebody who's just learning the ropes or, you know, can do spectacular things. But they've really, um, you know, and Sam, when he walks on the field, you can see that he's got this confidence about him that, you know, he is a match winner. Like he kind of already believes that so young into his NRL career. And, you know, when he when he kicked the field goal, it looked like no pressure, just another, you know, just another field goal, no, no, nothing to see here. And yeah, it was, I, I just thought it was, it was brilliant coaching in that way, you know, um, how, how he's sort of been able to do that. Because, you know, at the start of the season, when he did have to take Luke Carey's position, um, you know, there were sides literally targeting all their attack on him because because of because of his size and he's actually come through but obviously there were a few injuries there so the way they've they've positioned him as like the the clinch finisher at the end um and he just sits on the bench uh just waiting for the last 10 minutes to come and then they you know 
let's bring him in. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, let's bring him in. Let's bring in the finisher. And he just he comes in, he just kicks it, and then, you know, he just goes back to doing nothing. You know, that's that's kind of where he's at at the moment. It's it's kind of a, a great position. And, um, you know, even, uh, even, even his, uh, like, sort of um, interview at the end, I noticed, like, they asked him, like, one or two questions. He answered them, and then, and then I don't know. He just might have just lost interest. Um, he just started staring in the wrong way, and then like you know, like he wasn't really giving really good answers. And then, and then he just said thank you, Ellie, and just like walked off. And I was like, man, this guy, he's got, he's got a bit of a like, he's a bit of a character there, Sam Walker. So uh, I, I do have to, uh, I do have to say, like, yeah, the Roosters, they've done a great job. I think. I mean, you think about the injuries they've had, the retirements they've had. It's kind of uh, it's kind of amazing that they're still in a position mm, um, yeah. so close to the finals. Uh, well, <clears throat> so close to the end. Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to have what it takes to win. Though I just think there's too many young players in this team. Yeah, that's fair enough. And look, um, my final words on this are: yeah, the Titans. Look, if I was to ask you, uh, you know, who the household name of the coach of the Titans, you wouldn't know who he is, but it's Justin Holbrook. And Justin Holbrook has done a great job to get them into the finals and to get them to a point where they almost defeated the Roosters, admittedly a depleted Roosters and a weakened Roosters compared to what we're used to. So you're right. But, uh, you know, we could have been talking about very easily. uh, It's a game of inches, as they say, and we Mm. could have easily been talking about the Titans uh, you know, being the only Queensland representative in this final series remaining mm-hmm. uh, in week two of the finals, but it's not to be. But well done, the Titans. You've done you've done good. You uh, managed to squeak into the finals at the last hurdle and almost squeak into the week two of the finals, but it wasn't to be. So well done to you, Titans. But look, the next game, I would have to say, was uh, the, the, the quality game of the round. Uh, the Panthers versus mm. the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs ended up winning 16 points to 10. It was 10 all at half time, And I think the scoreline doesn't really reflect how much the Rabbitohs uh, dominated. And I wouldn't say dominated yeah. completely, but dominated the Panthers. The it, it uh, I, I think it's fair to say it's not that it looked like the Panthers were always going to lose. It just looked like the Rabbitohs were just good enough and just better than them, slightly better than them, uh, all across the park. You know, when when it counted, they, they had players step up. When uh, they needed the clutch play, they had the clutch play from uh, Adam Reynolds. Um, you know, it, so th- there, was, um, there was quite a lot of... Um, um, a lot of drama in this in this game, and and a lot. Of, look, it was such mm. an entertaining game to watch as well. I have to say, it was one yeah, of the was. most high quality, uh, great defensive effort from the Rabbitohs. We're we're talking about a team, the Panthers, that uh, has you know achieved like uh, in terms of defensive their defensive record this year. I think they were the best defensive team. In, in the in the whole NRL this year and uh, and still the Rabbitohs managed to pull out a supreme defensive performance. Mm. Basically, the Panthers really, apart from that um, that initial try that they put on uh, to Stephen Crichton on the left wing, there was really no um, there was really no answers that they could. Uh, 
they could uh, or let, let me say this: there were no questions that they posed of the Rabbitohs' defence. Uh, I think yeah. that really, uh, which is kind of weird because what you would expect would would be, you know, Luai, To'o, Cleary, you'd expect something from them that, um, you know, and certainly there were some really great passages of play. There was quite a bit of open, expansive play. Isaiah Yo at one point almost ran half the length of the field, but he had no support, you know. So there was a lot of really interesting plays. But overall, I think if I was to sum this up in one sentence, it would be that Rabbitohs proved yet again the value of experience, big game experience, not just in your team, but also in your coach, but also that defence uh, wins these big games, and and that's what they proved yet again. Uh, Tish, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I would say very, very high quality, almost worthy of a grand final quality uh, match. Yeah, look, absolutely. Look, I think these um, they, they didn't play that long ago. I think it was in a few weeks ago, and it was uh, a win to the Panthers. And prior uh, to the season, um, I think the scoreline was like a 40-point margin that the Panthers beat them by. So it was very significant prior <laughs> to, to this. Um, and I believe this is like, um, you know, after uh, five last five occasions that they've played against each other, the Panthers have won all five of them. So, um, you know, the Rabbitohs coming into this, they might have felt that this is a bit of a bogey team for them. But I think they just, overall, they just had a, a greater sense of team around them sort of thing. Um, you know, they had young Taff who's taking on Luttrell's position. And there was a, a you know, earlier in the game, there was a, a drop ball um, that, um, you know, that, that he had made. But, you know, for, you know, they, they still sort of gave him confidence. And I think... Um, there's uh, talk that apparently that, um, you know, uh, I think he was really down uh, sort of, you know, at halftime. And then I think Wayne P- uh, Wayne uh, Bennett, um, you know, there's reports that he went over to him and he just told him uh, something like, you know, um, I wouldn't have uh, put you in fullback if I didn't think you could do the job right. And then in the second half, he had a flawless second half, right? You know, he didn't miss anything. So, you know, again, some master coaching, um, I believe, from the Rabbitohs to have like a young player in a final series being able to have such great performance and yeah like you know like um i think also cody walker and um adam reynolds combined really well um you know the forwards were sort of doing you know there was um they had their brilliance like south sydney always do with their attack but i think they just overall were just a lot more i I suppose organizing their attack a lot more um, you know, they seemed to know what they were doing. I think the Panthers, it was kind of, it was a weird performance from them because um, while they didn't play bad, that, yeah, as you said, they were kind of, it felt like they were, they just kept um, setting up for the next play, if you know what I mean. But yeah. the big play never happened, <laughs> you know, or when it did happen, it, it they just didn't execute to the way it, it did. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, there were parts that, that Cleary and or parts of the other were, were playing well, um, but but it just didn't seem to orchestrate uh, as well it's done, you know, in uh, earlier earlier in the season sort of thing. So, um, but look, I've got to say that this is probably, I mean, although it's not the worst, you know, although the, the, that that weak advantage, you know, getting that one week off is going to be fantastic uh, for them. Um, I think also it kind of uh, would also demonstrate here for the Panthers that um, I think they kind of needed to do this because it kind of reminded me of their grand final performance where they were so good at leading up to the actual grand final. But when they came to the grand final, they just they just, they just just had an off night. And I feel like 
they had an off night here. So hopefully the next three weeks they don't have an off night for their sake. Um, because a lot of people are talking about how this Panthers lineup, you know, they're a young team. They're going to stay together for a long time. And that may be true. But they're actually losing quite a lot, number of players at the end of this season too, right? So, um, you know, as they sort of produce all these young superstars out of the Panthers, they're going to be picked up by other clubs as well. So I think they've got to be really careful um, to really take the opportunity this year to get as close as what they're going to get to. So, but look, South Sydney, I think, definitely solidify themselves as a as a contender. Um, with Melbourne being the favourite, um, I still think these two teams are the are probably the two that are going to challenge for, for the championships, like the closest sort of thing. Um, but look, Panthers, if they win this weekend, they, I think they'll end up having to play the Storm anyway. So, um, so good news, we're not going to have a repeat of uh, last year's finals. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have new grand finals, which is excellent. I'd like to just say, yeah, one other thing, interesting stat that I saw. Let me just bring it up, but to sort of show the uh, the um, oh, now I've lost it. Where is it? Uh, here we go. Play stats. So most run meters. So Stephen Crichton absolutely killed it for Penrith. Two hundred ninety-three run meters. I think he was far and away ahead of most other players. Um, was very involved in, you know, is a critical part of their backline movement and uh, he's, he's just that kind of a player. But the Rabbitohs, their most, the player with the most run metres was actually a bench player, Tom Burgess, and he had a massive impact. Him and Jay Arrow, Jay Arrow had a real massive impact on this game. So I think I did say to you uh, last week when we were looking at the, uh, the preview of this game is if you look at the interchange bench, Benji Marshall, Jacob Host, Tom Burgess, and Jai Arrow. Mm. Look, with the exception of Jacob Host, we've got three big game players there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like fancy having that on your interchange bench. Uh, what, and what that means. And, like, on the other side, of course, Penrith had Kikau had a really great game as well. So, um, yeah, like an epic performance by by the forwards, really. Um, and so I think I think uh, when we when we come to talk about the grand final qualifiers next week, we will we'll have to rethink this in terms of uh, what 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 role do the forwards play? Because uh, I think South Sydney just sort of showed that they they can. They can match it with uh, with the big boys when it counts, and uh, like I said, defence and, and all that is really important. So, um, well done to South Sydney. You earn a week off, uh, and uh, Penrith uh, have to fight on next week against my Parramatta team. Who mm. uh, now, if we move to the final game, Parramatta twenty eight versus Newcastle twenty. Uh, I did say to you that I thought this would be a much easier match than than I thought uh, what is what ended up for the Eels. It ended up being five tries to four at halftime. It was sixteen ten. So the Eels, apart from the 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 absolutely bungling first minute uh, try that they let in, yeah. which uh, I as soon as I saw that I thought. Here we go again. Now we know which Eels team has come to play today. <laughs> it's, it's the uh, it's the disappointing Eels team, and uh, they certainly look. I have to say, overall, even though they quickly sort of 
came back. There was a bit of toing and throwing uh, in terms of um, the the lead changed hands a few times. Uh, with five minutes to go in the first half, however, it was ten six. Uh, sorry, it was yeah, that's right, ten six to the Knights. And it was two quick tries to Mitchell Moses, an absolutely brilliant try, can I say. Probably the try of the round to Mitch Moses, an absolute screamer. Mm. He basically cut through the defense, sped up. I think he sped past, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it may, it may have been David Klemmer. Uh, found the gap in the defense, sped past him. Uh, did a bit of a goose step around Callum Ponga. Actually, yeah. which and was him. and smoked him absolutely, yeah. and I think we keep forgetting how fast Mitchell Moses is, and I think mm. I hope Brad Arthur is listening. Uh, you need to you need to kind of uh, exploit that, mate, because um, Mitchell stood up when it counted. They were down ten six. Things were not going right for them, and with that try, he put them uh, basically uh, on level pegging, uh, ten points all with a few minutes left to play in that first half. And they quickly followed that up with a, a great try to Blake Ferguson off an amazing uh, pass from, was it, Pen, uh, who was it? It was uh, Panisi, Pen, sorry, Penasini. Uh, Penasini, yeah, yep. who actually ha- absolutely had a blinder. Uh, one of those flick passes that he did, it just went out of nowhere and Blake Ferguson somehow got it and, and leapt over for the try on the sideline, putting them 16 points to 10 up with that conversion. But look, the first half, it was all a bit back and forth. And then, um, you know, then we saw with another Blake Ferguson try after the second half, um, the start of the second half, that the Eels kind of settled into the groove. Um, But, you know, and despite the fact that then uh, the Knights had two tries in the space of five minutes themselves. Uh, and actually, Tuala scored a hat-trick. So, Inari Tuala, a hat-trick for the Knights, unbelievable. But a uh, an un- unbelievable decision. Uh, a Penasini penalty try with a few minutes left to play. In, the, in fact, it was a 76-minute was I think the story of this game. It was controversial in the sense that uh, the commentary I was watching suggested that the the uh, grubber kick from um, Clint Gutherson, yeah. uh, they thought was a knock on that the the ball hit the ground first. And I look potentially that does look like it it did happen that way. <laughs> um, it, it's very very close, uh, but I can I can see the argument that that should have been. Uh, ruled a knock-on. Um, and then, anyway, he grubbed it and Will Penasini went for it and he was tackled, unfortunately, from behind, or at least he was knocked out of the way a little bit. So illegally tackled. The question mark was, should he have been, uh, should there have been a professional foul and 10 in the bin uh, or should they have given a penalty try? And I think most commentators were uh, afterwards were suggesting the penalty try was absolutely warranted. Mm. Um, there was uh, almost certain chance that uh, the ball bounced up uh, to to Will Penasini would have he would have caught that and just strolled over. Uh, Callum Ponga was nowhere near him, and no, neither was anyone else. So, um, you know, all of this you know happened within ten seconds of play. Just such controversy, such drama. 
But look, let's not forget, at that point, the Eels were still two points ahead of the Knights. So yeah. even even if you take this away, they were still ahead on the scoreboard. But as as we say, these the bunker has some powerful decisions that they can make, and a lot of people weren't happy about that. So... Look, overall, Tish, my views are the Eels uh, were lucky to get away with this one. I was quite disappointed in their performance overall. Um, the good news is that some of their key players that were uh, on put on report for some questionable, almost shoulder charge tackles have been cleared. So, um, uh, Joe, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? I forget what his name is all the time. Um, Joseph, sorry, who is it? Joseph Paulo. Paulo, Paulo right. uh, Junior Paulo. Junior Paulo, sorry. Junior Paulo. Okay, for, there's too many Paulos. Yeah, mm. so Junior Paulo, unfortunately, he did not have his uh, usual high-quality kind of match like he did against um, uh, Melbourne. So I'm hoping that he's got another gear left somewhere. Uh, but, yeah, he's been cleared, so that's good. If I look at the stats... Um, you know, Papali'i and Daniel Sofiti were, were, had the most run meters, and that's pretty much indicative of what happened in this game. It was all about the forwards. It wasn't really about the backs. It was a it was a, an arm wrestle, quite frankly, and uh, it was a a really great one to watch. But um, if you're an Eels fan, I think you'd be thinking, "Geez, we need to uh, up up a gear a bit if we're going to match it against the Penrith Panthers next week." Tish. That's a bit of a rant, but what were your thoughts on this match? Well, look, um, as you said, it, this was an arm wrestle. It was a great game to watch. It was uh, high quality and, uh, you know, it was really close. And, yeah, as I said, you know, within probably the last, uh, maybe not five minutes, but probably the last ten minutes, it was it was still it was still either way, right? Um, I think um, before the penalty try, I'm pretty sure the score line was 22-20 um, to the Eels. Um yep. After New- Newcastle had got to two points, but then missed the conversion sort of thing. I know that wind was a big factor in this game too. If you recall, there was um, mm. a big wind that was against uh, Parramatta. Um, there's a couple in the of, first half, yeah, in the first right. half. So, um, and uh, Mitchell Moses did exploit that quite well. I mean, some of the kicks were completely crazy. I think there was one where he kicked it and then he caught like it went super high and it went forward and then it came back and basically he caught it. Um, so like, it was kind of a bit crazy like that, but then they're able to adjust and positive is, I mean, uh, you know, if you think about the, the, I suppose the, the star players, uh, you know, the marquee players in each of the teams, um, you know, this week that, that had won, you know, uh, Cameron Munster, um, you know, a Sam Walker, but he only played like for like 10 minutes, right? So you really can't include him. Um, but, you know, let's throw in Cleary. Let's throw in, um, you know, let's throw in like sort of uh, Adam Reynolds and, and um, Sam, you know, Sam Burgess, yeah. Cody Walker and so forth. I've got to say Mitchell Moses probably uh, just his performance is, I mean, I, I feel like he kind of carried the team um, to their victory a lot. I mean, his try did actually change the momentum of the game and they scored just moments after that. So I really felt that like when, you know, when you need, this is what they talk about when they talk about Cameron Smith and they talk about other Wally Lewis. When they talk about these great players, they talk about when they're able to sort of get their team back into the contest. And I think the Eels were kind of, uh, you know, they were sort of just going through the game a little bit, but then they, you know, through his try, they he kind of turned it around. Um, 
you know, ever so reliable on the boot as well. Like, you know, it was just great. Um, you know, and that 89% completion rate by both teams, um, which is pretty, pretty uh, phenomenal out there. And, you know, a lot of the stats, they, they sort of um, say, you know, that that was a pretty close contest until you actually get to the passing. And this is this is where I think Parramatta, I mean, um, it's probably something that they could work on too. I'm not saying this, but, but you know, have a, have a think about this here, Dr. T. Um, total passes, 263 versus 236. So what's that? 30 odd more passes. Total dummies from Parramatta, 16. So dummy passes, 16. Whereas only one dummy pass from Newcastle. So, um, <laughs> there's a lesson there, isn't it? Yeah, there, there is. I'm like, you only like dummied once, like, you know. So, but it does show that the Newcastle probably, probably they, they completed high, but when they had the ball, they did nothing. Um, nothing too exciting, uh, at all. Uh, whereas I think, you know, Newcastle, uh, Parramatta, they, they completed sets really high. But they also completed it by still being able to offload the ball, um, move the other team around, and you know it worked for the, this kind of a very similar play to what they had with uh, the Panthers, uh, sorry against Melbourne, and and this is where they're the danger because you know this this is basically the game plan that they can uh, you know I think they're really good at this, and that's why they beat Melbourne twice this year. So um, you know if they can get in that position to you know to face Melbourne that. I think they'll probably beat them, right? So um, I kind of think that, yeah, yeah, anyway, we'll probably go into it when we get uh, into the camp. But <laughs> we'll get into it soon. And it may not even, it may be a moot point because they might not even get past this round. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so look, your final thoughts on, well, the Knights. Uh, would you say they've had, uh, you know, a successful season or not? Oh, look, I think they've had a so so season. Um, I, I believe they were seventh last year and they were seventh this year. They bowed out. In the you know first week of the finals, they lost both in both occasions. So I think they just had a past season. That's I think that's what I could say about them. Um, I think that's probably fair. Um, you know, they've cut Jake Clifford. I think is a good signing. Um, but apart from that, I really can't think of anything uh, too spectacular with their season this year. So I'd say it's a pass mark for for me with the Newcastle vote. All right, fair enough. Let's get into our reviews. Of uh, of the week two semi-finals, so uh, I guess are we up to tackle number three? I think we are. Let's go tackle Let's. number three. All right, so we are now going to review the semi-final matchups. Uh, so. Weird thing with this uh, eight-team setup in the finals is that the semi-finals. Usually, you think semi-final become comes before the final. Not to be here. The semi-final is what we call the week two uh, games. Uh, they're both knockouts, and they both uh, the winners of both will play uh, play teams for a chance to get into the. Uh, Grand final, so technically these should be quarterfinals. I mean, anyway, let's let's not go there. Uh, but um, the first match that we're going to talk about is the Friday night match, uh, Manly versus the Sydney Roosters. And so, in terms of uh, well, in terms of the lineup, I mean, well, let's let's look at the the 
kind of recent history. We, we've seen Manly get demolished by Melbourne and the Roosters sneak away with a last-minute snatching um, victory from the jaws of defeat uh, a la the Titans' uh, brain explosion at the last minute. Uh, what this means is basically we've got a a strong team in Manly who has shown an ability to put on points against virtually anyone except for Melbourne. Um, and and they're up against a Roosters team which has been severely depleted this year, uh, you know, especially in the last couple of weeks. They've got, you know, youngsters all over the place with minimal kind of finals experience, whereas Manly seems to have quite a lot, a lot more experience on their books at the moment. Um, in terms of the, the lineups, I think we've got um, – well, not, not too many uh, that are of note, differences <coughs> from last week, except Takiyahu is, uh, is out for mm. the Roosters. So, I mean, he's a big loss, even though he was on the bench. I mean, he was uh, formerly mm. a captain at one point. Well, I think he's lost weight, Dr. T. I think that's unfair. Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying in terms of impact. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Look, um, yeah. So, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing that um, this actually puts a bit of a dent in the the bench there for the Roosters. Whereas, if you look at Manly, I mean, I think Manly, uh, well, I mean, Manly have uh, Dylan Walker, which, uh, you know, I think. I think his uh, his impact on the game is a bit underrated these days, but let's not forget that there was a time where he was a, the you know the five eighth the starting five eighth to Daily Cherry Evans halfback and uh, and had a very important role to play. Now with Kieran Foran there, the the old Foran Cherry Evans uh, team is back together and has been going great guns this year for them. Um, Dylan Walker has a really good impact off the bench, and I think. Uh, we saw with the Roosters last week, Sam Walker. So we got Walker versus Walker, Dylan versus Sam, and I think, mm. I think the uh, the whoever whoever comes, uh, you know, I'm, I got to say also the rest of the the Roosters bench has has a touch of um, a nursery rhyme. We've got uh, Nat Butcher, Egan Butcher, and Fletcher Baker. So we've got a butcher and a baker. <laughs> And yeah. where is the candlestick maker? I have no idea. He's not there. But um, look, uh, I look. I can't go past Manly, unfortunately, for the Roosters. As much as Manly is a team that everyone loves to hate, uh, I think Manly will uh, will deservedly go in as favourites here. However, having said that, and so the winner, by the way, will play South Sydney in Week Three to for a spot in the Grand Final. Uh, wouldn't it be good to see a Roosters and Rabbitohs, uh, you know, uh, f- uh, grand final qualifier? That would be a dream for um, for the TV ratings, I think. Um, but I think Manly will uh, will prove to be too strong. They've just got too many. Well, they got Tommy Turbo. Um, that's that's a, a real key there uh, that that the Roosters don't have, even though they've got James Tedesco. So look, I'm not going to write them off completely, but I think. The Seagulls have something to prove this week, and they've got a lot more motivation and energy than the Roosters might have. Tish, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on Manly and the Roosters? Yeah, well, look, um, yeah, it, it, when, when you brought up the semi final thing, I, um, you know, I think we should just call this uh, the NRL Beach Conference Final. 
Um, you know, <laughs> That's cause, right. Because yeah. you've got the Battle of the Beaches and uh, obviously, you know, the Titans were in the running, but they got knocked out by Bondi last week. Um, <laughs> so, you, you know, so... You're right. You're right. And then and then they, they'll be waiting to play the uh, next to the beach team, which is uh, the Redfin-based team. Yeah, of course. That's, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. So I think I think on that that regard, like you know, um, but yeah, look, it, it is a funny one when you actually like look at the teams. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I think I think the only place that they look, you know, uh, you know, line up to line up, is the interesting contrast is the battle of the fullbacks, Trebovic versus Tedesco. Um, you know, Tedesco mm. is the incumbent Australian and New South Wales uh, fullback. And uh, captain of the the Roosters and doing a phenomenal job, but Tommy Trebojevic has had the season of his life right at the moment. So, um, you know, and also vying for that position, and also an Australian international as well as, well as a New South Wales uh, Blues player as well. And you know, he had the state of origin season where everybody felt that he was like the main player in the whole series as well. So, um, you know, that's kind of interesting because even even you know, Manly have the edge when it comes to the half and, you know, five-eighth uh, combination with Lachlan and Drew Hutchinson not really having that experience over here in foreign Delhi Jury Evans. Um, the forwards, you know, you've got Warrior Hargrove, Victor Radley, Angus Crichton on one end, um, but then a whole bunch of youngsters there as well. Tupanua is a great player too. But on the other side, you know, on the other side, you've got Jake Travojevic and uh, Martin Tapal, right? So, again, sort of a bit even on, on that part as well. And then, yeah, as you said, with the bench, um, you know, they, they do both have, like, uh, I suppose, you know, Dylan Walker came off the bench and I thought had a pretty good uh, impact uh, for Manly, up, uh, you know, in the second half in a, in a losing side. So, whereas, um, you know, Sam Walker, obviously, you know, the clincher, the finisher, Sam Walker. So, yeah, so it is going to be a very tight contest. I, I haven't really thought about who um, I think I like in this game. Um, and, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, uh, the sort of the strategy and the tactics to it all. I'll probably, what worries me about Manly, I think, you know, they're kind of, uh, they've had a lot of easy victories coming up to the finals. Um, so I don't know how, you know, how many sort of, you know, real arm wrestles they've had lately. Well, I mean, the Roosters just came off, uh, you know, uh, an arm wrestle last week, you know, and I think they've, because they're sort of been down on troops, it's been a lot more harder for them to make it to the finals. So I think they're a bit more battle hardened, if I could say that. Mm-hmm. So if it's close, it's going to go down to the Roosters. And I think can Manly, yeah, I think the way Manly would win is by sort of getting on top of them and getting onto a roll. And then, um, you know, but I think the Roosters are good enough to contain that at the moment. Because I think, so yeah, so I'm going to probably go with the Roosters on this one, but it's a uh, it, it's a very interesting contest because obviously you know you got number four versus number five here, right? So um, you know, so it's yeah, so yeah. Look, I, I'm going to tip. I, I'm going to. I think it will come. I think the Roosters are just going to have the edge over Manly. I think Manly have uh, gone really well this season. Um, I think they were higher than last year than what they've done. So, but I think this is going to be it for them. Um, I just think that they kind of. Uh, yeah, uh, I think they'll have to step it up, and I don't think they can to to beat the Roosters. All right, and if this was the Battle of the Beaches, the second uh, semi final, 
Penrith versus Parramatta, winner to play Melbourne Storm, I think could be classified as, well, it is the Western Sydney derby, isn't mm. it? I mean, that's what it is. So no two ways about it. And look, teams uh, look like, well, we've got a few changes which I think uh, require us to go through the squad. So we've got, um, uh, let's have a look. Actually, no, no nothing happens there. Uh, Jake Arthur, Ryan Madison. So Ryan Madison comes in for, um, uh, in in the interchange bench for Parramatta. So that's probably the key one. And I don't think there's any uh, any main ones for, for Penrith. So Penrith is largely unchanged from what I can see. Um, look, the key thing here is we've got a, a team that was thoroughly outplayed by a, a Wayne Bennett masterclass-led <laughs> South Sydney Rabbitohs, which has kind of f- flown under the radar for most of the season. And I think the Panthers, I think similar to what you were just saying about the the Manly team uh, having not really played very many tough games of late, I think the Panthers as well could be, you know, even though they were, you know, within shooting distance of, uh, of that minor premiership, um, you know, they, they haven't really done anything uh, in the last few games in the season to show that they are battle hardened and that they're ready for, for the finals. And I think the game against the Rabbitohs showed that they are absolutely beatable, uh, even though they've got a super strong defense and have had the best defensive team all year, um, they still have some cracks in the armor in their defense and they're, they're fully exploitable. And the Rabbitohs showed that the way to do that is to tire them out in defense, uh, wear them down and play the defensive game. And I think what you just said earlier about the Eels style of play and how they've defeated Melbourne twice this year that's exactly how they did that. So I think when the the occasion calls for it, the Eels are able to bring their defensive A game, and I think that's what we'd be looking for uh, to from the Eels this week, this weekend, uh, this Saturday night. Um, the question is, can they do it? Um, can the Panthers play much worse than what they did? Uh, or do they have another level, another gear that they need to go up in order to uh, make it to that next round against Melbourne, who will undoubtedly be a lot tougher than the Eels this week regardless? So I guess that's a question. Uh, and Tish, I'll let you answer that first, and then I'll see if I can contribute to that conversation. So both teams need to bring their A game, and I think both teams did not bring their A game this weekend. So which of these two teams do you think will bring their A game? Okay, well, uh, I can say this. So head-to-head since 1998, they've played 44 times. I don't know why they didn't go back all the way, by the way. But um, it's 23 <laughs> to 21, right, um, to the Panthers. Uh, earlier in the season, so uh, 3rd of September, uh, <laughs> so not that long ago, uh, Panthers 40, Eels 6. But if you remember that game, that was the last round of the season. Um, that was without Mitchell Moses. Um, and I think Parramatta rested quite a number of their players. So um, a bit like, uh, actually, yeah, I, I forgot to mention this in the Panthers' previous game. You saw the Rabbitohs uh, uh, rest a lot of their players in the last round. Panthers did it, and then 
obviously you saw what sort of happened with the Rabbitohs coming back. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, so it's kind of happening again for the for the Eels. Uh, uh, sorry for for the Panthers. Now um, uh, they also played earlier in the season as well, where Panthers won thirteen points to twelve. So um, a really tight game as well, sort of in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, and then uh, look, I've got to say that. Uh, when you do look at the wins that the Panthers have had, uh, you know the Dragons, the Rabbitohs, the Tigers, and then the Eels, um, you know they was, you know the different, you know they sort of leak less than eighteen points in the game, so less than three tries in every game, um, and uh, while like scoring above 25, 34, you know in their thirties and forties and so forth. So, um, whereas yeah, the Eels have had, um, you know they sort of <laughs> the Eels got smashed by the Eagles actually. 56 to 12, but then came back against the Cowboys, beat the Storm, lost to the Panthers, got smashed by the Panthers, and and sort of had a narrow win. So they've had they've had a bit more of a challenge, Parramatta, and I think and I think now you're leading up to this game and you think, okay, well, if it's going to be tight, then I think I think Parramatta have had that sort of recent experience in those big big uh, sort of you know close games. I think also the significance of having the confidence now that Mitchell Moses has after having a really good performance, um, you know, he is the understudy to Nathan Cleary when it comes to the state of origin halfback position, you know, and mm. he didn't perform well in game three. And now he's going up against, you know, uh, the star attraction for the New South Wales team a little bit, you know, um, Dylan Brown, great halfback, uh, sorry, great five eighth. I think I think last few seasons he's been the young halfback to watch. That mantle has kind of gone over to Jerome Luai now, right? So Jerome Luai is the, you know, the the hot prospect at the five eighth position now. So I mean, I think that they're kind of in a very similar pattern to, as well. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. Um, you know, of, of course, Clint got, uh, Gutherson. Um, Dylan Edwards is back for the Panthers. I think that's significant because I think they lost a bit without. Dylan last week. Um, I know Crichton's a really good um, fullback himself, but um, you know you talked about that as I you know, break. That's probably one of those situations where if Dylan Edwards was there, they probably would have scored just because that's where he sort of follows up. Um, and then we saw last year Clint Gutherson in the final series. He there were some games where he pretty much dominated um, for, for long periods of the game. So. Yeah, the forwards, they're all going to be right up for it. You know, Regan Campbell-Gillard had a great game last week. Um, you know, so I think he could back it up. You know, Junior Paulo, um, you know, he doesn't have too many bad games in a row. Um, even though I don't think last week was as... Uh, I don't think it was great, but I don't think it was bad either. Um, so he's going to have a big game. And, you know, I think the Panthers' forward pack is also quite good. You know, Nathan Brown, um, you know, he's kind of known for, like, the smash-me-up passing player, like, you know, lock forward, like just hit the ball up. But you saw him actually bring a new element to his game last week, being the link player in a in a, you know in attack. And actually I think a few of the tries actually led uh, led from some of Nathan Brown's passes. So that's also quite interesting there how that's sort of changing as well. So look it's a really tough one to figure out who is going to win. Um I'm just gonna go for the Panthers simply because they you know they finished higher on the ladder, but that's that's the only real reason why I'd go for them. Um, I wouldn't be surpi- surprised if Parramatta could, could could pull off a victory. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I I think I think the Panthers would be entitled to be favourites for this. So I think the the Eels really do have to bring their A game and 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 play the way they would play against a Storm. This needs to be the uh, <laughs> in many ways this needs to be a the 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 practice game for a Melbourne Storm matchup. They need to mm. play a similar style if they want to be any chance of winning this game, let alone. Uh, beating the storm next week, and, and I think um, you know the 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 key thing here is that they've got to get back to that defensive mindset. They've got to get back to, and I'm not saying not focus on attack. I'm saying focus on on the scrambling defense. Um, get a bit more than the one out kind of uh, one up. You know the hit ups. Uh, which they tended to do when they they uh, kind of close up shop a bit. They need to kind of play the, a bit of that expansive, free flowing play that that um, that they, they seem to have greater success with. I mean, look, if it wasn't for Moses, Penasini, and Blake Ferguson taking a few chances, they would not have beaten the Newcastle Knights. And I think they need to go into this game with the same mentality. It's likely that on that right side defence, uh, Blake and Blake Ferguson, Wanga Blake and Blake Ferguson will leak some points uh, potentially, uh, or am I thinking the other? No, I'm thinking the other side. Blake Ferguson has a tendency, and he did this against the Knights as well, to come in when he needn't needn't have done so. There was a really great, I forgot to mention that great, Kalen Ponga cutout pass to his winger. Um, who completely bamboozled Blake Ferguson didn't need to come in for that. Um, and so I think, um, you know, that if, if they go in with that mentality, they will go a long way towards winning this game. I'm going to tip the Eels because I have to. <laughs> I feel like I have to. Uh, but I think uh, it could go either way. And I, I look, I want to point to the... The strength of the interchange bench potentially could uh, go the favor in favor of the Eels. You've got two players in particular, Will Smith and uh, Isaiah Papali'i, who are absolute star bench performers at the moment for the Eels. Uh, as I said, Papali'i actually got the most runs last week. So that tells you something. And they've also got Bryce Cartwright and Ryan Madison on the bench. So I think... If I'm if I'm putting money on which uh, of the bench uh, the, the bench perfor- are going to perform the best, it's going to have to be the Eels bench, and I think that's probably going to have a big part to play in a close match if they can manage to keep it close. So I'll leave it there. And Tish, let's move on. Oh, just before you say that, I just, just oh, yeah. one request: Channel Nine, please do not go to read Marnie. Um, <laughs> During the commentary, <laughs> at home on his at Zoom, at home on his Zoom, please don't do that. That was uh, that was quite shocking. Um, so yeah, I don't know if Brad Harper got a hold of that because it was uh, yeah, it was. I think he was asked, "How do you think your team is going?" So um, yeah, and his response was 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 not the best. So um, yeah, if they could, uh, hopefully he's done us a favor and stopped this. Uh, you know, injured player on at home giving us nothing. You know, like uh, I'm I'm tired of all these interviews. You know, from like players who I mean, they all give the same answer the whole time, right? You know, uh, so yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I just hope no one talks about getting the two points this week. 
because we, 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 it's not about points, guys. It's about winning. Uh, anyway, all right, let's move on to uh, the next tackle, uh, tackle number four. So we're going to talk five. about – Five, right. Is it four or five? No, I think it's – Well, it I think four, I'm count this as tackle four. four. Yeah. I'll count yeah. this as tackle four. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Let's Sorry talk about, about – that. that's all right. Let's talk about the epic – historic decision for Brisbane to host the NRL Grand Final this year. Here we go. Tackle number four. All right. So as I just said, Brisbane's Suncorp Stadium, formerly known as Lang Park has been announced as a venue of the NRL Grand Final in 2021. The match will be played on Sunday, 3rd of October, with tickets set to be sold uh, at a similar rate to the State of Origin series. It is the first time in 114-year history of the uh, ru- the Premier Rugby League competition in Australia that a uh, game has not the, the Grand Final or a final has not been played in Sydney. Um, and uh, we, this comes on the back of the fact that the New South Wales has a 25-year NRL grand final contract, uh, which basically guaranteed uh, guaranteed the uh, grand final being held in New South Wales or Sydney, m- most likely. And, uh, yeah, so basically the governing body of the NRL is in talks with the Queensland government because of the COVID situation to shift the the showpiece grand final event to Brisbane for the first time. Look, it's all coming up Brisbane at the moment. Brisbane is having a Bradbury moment, mm-hmm. Stephen Bradbury moment. Uh, no one else competing for to with them to get the 2032 Olympic Games, and they got handed that. <laughs> yeah. No one else competing with them to host the State of Origin series, and they got handed that. And this time they're going to get handed as a default because there's no other <laughs> – New South Wales can't certainly host it. Um, they're going to get the, you know, the NRL Grand Final for the first time via default, which is unbelievable. But look, Tish, I have to say, all jokes aside, I think, you know, whether it's through luck or COVID or whatever – I think it's a good thing that we take it out of Sydney eventually. We've been talking about this for mm. ages. That this is going to be the uh, this is going to be what sets us apart from the AFL is uh, is having a grand final extravaganza that can be a travelling extravaganza. And I have to say, one of the other things that's been pointed out is uh, is the fact that assuming we go back to uh, back to normal next year uh, with uh, post-COVID lockdown situations uh, is that possibly uh, we could and we should maybe consider next year's grand final potentially going to Auckland as a thank you to the New Zealand Warriors for uh, what they've done, what they've done to sacrifice uh, the sacrifices that they made last year and this year. So anyway, that's something we can discuss later. But Tish, what are your thoughts about Brisbane, Lang Park, Suncorp Stadium hosting the NRL Grand Final this year? Yeah. Well, look, I think it's uh, it's great news for um, you know the state of Queensland and and for Brisbane. You know, uh, I think Brisbane has proven to be 
the AstraZeneca of rugby league. Um, you know, when there is no <laughs> other option, we go to Brisbane, right? <laughs> oh, <God. Yeah. laughs> so, um, but look, yeah, 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 like, yeah, you are right. Like, um, you know, it's, you know, like I kind of, uh, this was on the cards a very long time before this actually happened. And now I'm thinking that the fact that the Olympics was announced, um, it kind of takes the shine off it a little bit, doesn't it? You know, well, these guys are hosting the Olympics anyway. Last year they hosted the grand final. So I think the NRL, like, you know, I think they owed it to Queensland to actually have this final um, organised a few years ago. And then um, I suppose this year wouldn't have been as special. But I think it is good because it, we're finally getting away from um, always having it in Sydney. Don't get me wrong, I love having the NRL Grand Final in Sydney. I've been to uh, a few Grand Finals. I always love the experience. Um, you know, I, I can say that probably every Grand Final has been unique. Um, and, um, you know, it's probably one of the reasons why I'm so glad the West Tigers haven't made the finals in the last few years. Um, because, like, every year I'd buy the tickets with the hope of thinking they'll make it. <laughs> uh, but it hasn't worked out. But look, um, uh, but yeah, but I think I think it would uh, make more sense, um, you know, taking it out 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 of Queensland and New South Wales. Um, you know, it is a showpiece event um, along with the state of origin. So I think if you can uh, move them out, I think it's good. I think also the fact that the Magic Weekend is uh, at Brisbane again, right, for next year. Um, so like, you know, moving that, um, you know, I think they kind of need to do that too. Like I, I feel, and I, and you are right about New Zealand, um, having, you know, having, uh, sort of had the Warriors out here for so long, um, you know, it would be a, a good, uh, a, you know, to try and re-kick, uh, kickstart rugby league over in New Zealand again. Um, you know, the All Blacks have played, they've had their Super 14 uh, competition, but I haven't had rugby league um, in New Zealand for for over two years now, right? So it, it is going to be very important to try and try and get that going again. Um, you know, we've we've haven't gone out to Perth for a while ever since the pandemic situation has occurred. So you know, being able to sort of have these rival cities sort of bid for it, I think is always a good thing. And and who knows, even taking it internationally, um, you know. Uh, when I say international, I should say cross-continentally because, um, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah, because New Zealand's a, another country. So, look, look, you know, with all the uh, offshore outsourcing that's happening and all these BPOs, you know, maybe the Philippines is actually an option or Mumbai, you know. Wouldn't it be good to see, you know, um, you know, uh, a scrum in Delhi uh, for, for – <laughs> You know, for for these kind of you know Bollywood and rugby league go hand in hand, it would be fantastic for me. So, yeah, I I, I think um I think once you get it out of Sydney, you sort of yes, it's had a good 114 year run. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to sort of you know, and I think this is just the next you know evolution of this uh of rugby league grand finals, and it would be good to see some other great stadiums around the world being able to host it. Uh, and, and, and starting off with, you know, the, uh, you know, the cauldron of Suncorp Stadium. That's right. You know, that, that, that's what we want to see. We want to see, we want to see the grand final being, uh, being hosted by a, the city that is often regarded as, uh, you know, the home of rugby league in in Australia. 
and 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 also we we need to see that statue of Wally Lewis front and center in all the advertising because mm. I think uh, the bring bring it home to the King's home at Suncorp Stadium, the yeah. the, the home of many memories, mm. uh, bad ones for New South Wales fans, but good ones for Queensland fans. Back when uh, when Wally Lewis was there in the eighties and, and early nineties, so look, I think I'm all for this. I think uh, just as COVID has changed the world of remote working, <laughs> I think it will have changed the world of rugby league. And if we don't take this opportunity to change things up, we will be fighting a losing battle. Uh, we, there is no going back to normal. Um, you know, there's no there's no way we're going back to this situation where um, where we're, we're we're trying to manufacture a historic connection to a stadium that was only built for the 2000 Olympics. Whereas <laughs> whereas you look at AFL, which has a continuous connection to the MCG for many decades. So I think if you look at that, if you look at what sets us apart as rugby league, it is about, and I'm going to use this to segue to the next tackle. It is about us thinking outside the square a little bit Mm. and, and doing things a little differently. And in this case, it is about having a traveling grand final extravaganza, an opportunity Mm. to spread the word uh, of rugby league to a new city and, and get them enamored with the grand final experience. And, and that's what we should work on just like the Super Bowl does, you know, and it certainly hasn't harmed them, has it? So I think that's something that we to, we need to focus on. But that's going to be my segue into our fifth tackle, which is League Around the World. Here we go. All right. So the news from League Around the World is that Turkey is going to host a new European Beach Rugby League Championship. No, we're not talking about Manly versus Sydney. Mm. We're talking a proper Beach Rugby League Championship next year. So the European Rugby League ERL has sanctioned the launch of the first official European Beach Rugby League Championships for men and women. It's going to be held in Turkey in the summer of 2022. ERL is partnering with Turkish agency Melanize or Melanese in the delivery of the inaugural tournaments, and they will lead on the commercial side for the project. Um, They plan to expand this tournament uh, through a series of city events. So they're currently in negotiations to work out which cities are going to be the venues for for this championship. And um, and basically, uh, look the the I'll just quickly quote to you from ERL board member Paul Nicholson, who said the European Beach Rugby League Championship is an exciting concept, and we hope our federations will embrace the opportunity as we seek to build a new series of European Rugby League events. Um, and uh, let me see what I, what else he says. Um, Look, uh, it sounds like also the Turkish Rugby League Association, the TRLA, has run previously a number of beach rugby tournament, beach rugby tournaments, sorry, for club sides. Most recently in July in Kadıköy, Istanbul, and is hosting a European Championship uh, D tournament uh, in October, featuring Turkey, Malta, Ukraine, and Netherlands. Um, and so. Look, I think uh, that they so there's form on the board there. I think it's for some reason I have no idea why. Maybe some one of our listeners can let us know why is it that Turkey has been the seat of this great innovation uh, mm. to have beach rugby league events 
which uh, has already kind of led to a successful, um, you know, successfully trialing, I guess, this concept. Uh, so, yeah, the first official European Beach Rugby League Championship will be in Turkey in 2022. Tish, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, I want to know more about the actual rules around Beach Rugby League. Is Are they going to play it on a beach or a stadium near the beach like they do at Wynn Stadium, right? Um, this is actually on the beach, right? It's it's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I, I do have the rules for Beach Rugby League that is on a Microsoft Word document. I think it is on um, the beach. It's actually like beach, as it, you know, like beach volleyball kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's where what they're doing. That's that's my understanding of it. So, so yeah. yeah. So, so what it says is that um, each match consists of two seven and a half minute periods. Uh, sorry, yeah, periods with a two minute period for halftime as uh, as a single match. The total number of players on the field at any one time shall be seven or nine, depending on the competition. So, yeah, so it could be a nine or it could be a, I don't know, and five interchange players admitted. And then, um, you know, scrums have three, um, you know, plays each um, for seven player tournaments and for nine player tournaments, it's five. So, yeah, so look, um, I'm sure they've uh, worked out the details on what the actual rules are and uh, <laughs> and everything like that. But it, it's going to be, you know, I, I think like um, – there are there are advantages for some sports in the beach, like obviously, like um, you know, a sport like beach volleyball, for example, is probably you know in many countries that have you know a, a great beach culture, it's a, it's it's quite popular. Um, so this is a, a, a another way to get another audience into rugby league. Mm. Um, you know, the Turkish rugby league, why Turkey? It's a good question. Um, you know, is it at uh, the you know Istanbul or Constantinople? You know, a famous city like that. You know, I would think that you would want to put it at a place like, you know, Ibiza or something. You know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> some right. sort of, you know. But but look, I, I think at the end of the day, innovation is is, you know, um, rugby league is an innovation um, in itself, right? So um, it's it's kind of part of what uh, is the fabric of the game. So um, and yeah, and and as you know, like you know, we talked about you know Manly versus uh, Bondi. Um, you know, happening, but you've you've also got like you know the Sutherland Shire, you've got the Gold Coast, you know, a lot of the beach towns in in Australia seem to um, have a, have a strong rugby league culture as well. So I, I think it's kind of uh, I think it's I think it's a good idea and it's certainly good to try out. So um, you know, if we could get over uh, to, I just uh, sorry, I'm I'm just thinking up. I a thought came to my mind about. A famous Turkish beach in Australian history. Oh no! <laughs> but, not, but let's not go there, right? Let's but not yeah. go there. But 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 look, I I think overall, I think it'd be great. To, uh, I actually uh, hope they get some television rights because it would be good to actually see this form of rugby league and how it translates onto a onto a beach setting. Yeah, and look, I got to say, if you if you're in Australia and you go on the Rebel Sport website. You can actually buy a Steeden NRL Neon Beach Rugby League ball for thirty nine ninety nine. It's oh, available. Wow. So, so, and that's all I can see in Australia <laughs> that relates to beach. It's got a beach footy thing. It's mm. yellow. It's kind of bright. Um, I guess. I guess what I wanted to say before we close this one off is that it's when I was saying why Turkey. I think. Look, 
wherever innovation springs up in rugby league, I think we need to embrace it and and push it forward. And I think that's great. So in this case, it's a great innovation. It's obviously had a bit of um, following over there in their local tournaments. And then this is just the ERL basically uh, putting their support behind an expansion of those those events in those cities. So that's absolutely fair enough and that's great. And I think that's what we need to do in rugby league. I guess what's baffling me is how has a country like Australia, which is surrounded by the best beaches in the world, not mm. come up with this <laughs> initiative first? I find it really odd. And and I think that's kind of uh, – so there's nothing against Turkey. It's more just about why didn't Australia think of this first? You would have thought that this would have been um, the thing. And, you know, we do play – footy along the beach and you know as a pastime you know when when we we go out with our families to the beach uh in pre-covid days of course we when we were able to uh without restriction um you know you'd bring a you'd bring a football usually along um you know that's i think most families uh would would do that in australia you'd, you'd bring along a football kick a ball along we've certainly done that every time we go out uh, to the beach uh we, whichever beach we go to and others do as well and i think it's kind of a no-brainer that uh there should have been something like this springing up a bit more uh, in a bit more orderly fashion in australia but mm. it is what it is but i think um look i, I would say let's let's uh, pick up our act in Australia in in the NRL in terms of uh, embracing this innovation and seeing. Look, I think if if we if we launch something like that in Australia, I think you'd see it absolutely go off. Um, and I think if it happens to have started in Europe and Turkey, so be it. But I think uh, one way that we can uh, we can get over the uh, the rugby league withdrawal symptoms that we have over the summer is to actually play rugby league in the summer, but a form of rugby league that is more accessible to people going to the beach. And beach rugby league would be an absolute winner, I think, in Australia. So I think once Australia gets behind it and we get some money behind it, I can see this sport being you know, telecast on television, uh, televisions on, uh, you know, summer TV, you know, there's low risk of, uh, you know, of, of getting, you know, uh, uh, in terms of uh, losing audiences because there's no audiences at that time of the year. So if anything, it will be very, very interesting to watch this on TV if you're not there. But if you're there, it would be really great to watch it live as well. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that that's the, the thing that baffles me is why we have we not innovated this way. But look, that's my final thought on that. Tish, do you want to have a final thought before we move into the tips? Yeah, well, look, not just um, – yeah, actually, I could see a newspaper article about rugby league and then just below it into the um, information we provided a few weeks ago about Aidan Caesar joining the coaching staff in the newspaper article, which is fantastic, right? So there seems to be a bit of a revolution there. But, yeah, you are right. And um, let's also remember that we also have the Pacific Islands, um, you know, who would also uh, – I think really do well in these form of the game, you know, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, and Jamaica also making it into the grand final. So I think they're, they're I think it's got a bit of legs and uh, good on Turkey for, for, for leading this. So looking forward to it for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to hearing more about this. So let's move on to our final tackle. It is the tips for week two of the NRL final series. Here we go. 
So last week, we both got three out of four. So I am now up to 127 and you're up to 123. There's still a few more games left, so you can definitely catch up and overtake me before the end of the season. Now, let's put our money where our mouth is. We have talked about the previews of the semifinals this weekend, but now I'm going to ask you once and for all, who is your uh, choice? Who is your tip for Manly versus Sydney? Mine is Manly. Roosters for me. Well done. And finally, I think we've spoken about this, Panthers versus Eels. I think I'm going to go with the Eels. Uh, I'm going for the Panthers. Well, there you go. We are on opposite end of uh, the aisle there. Let's see how we go. It yep. could be it could we could be split or we could be uh, zero from two. Who knows? But um, mm. should be a good one. We are looking forward to week two of the finals. I think both will be absolutely cracking games. So I'm looking forward to both games this weekend. Uh, look, and that ends our podcast for today. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully you get to enjoy the football this weekend too. Uh, Tish, uh, we are available, I think, on on all the usual uh, social media, etc. Um, are we also on Spotify? Is that right? Yes, we are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. We are on iTunes and um, and and other things as well. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> all right. Look, uh, there you go. So let me just say, I just before we go, in terms of the tips, I, I did neglect to say that when we looked at our crystal ball last week, I forgot to mention that um, both of our tips for the grand final are still in play. So, Tish, you tipped Storm and Souths to make the grand final this year, uh, and both of those teams are uh, in week three, the grand final qualifiers on the opposite side of the draw. And I tipped Eels and South. So technically, both of our grand final predictions are still in play, and we'll find out if they are still in play next week. So that's good news for our tipping, at least given how terrible we've been otherwise this year. But look, Tish, enough with that. Let's wrap this up. Over to you, Tish, to wrap this one up. Well, look, that's all that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tisha Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.